being on tour with them to Cleveland and Detroit and stuff, I saw moms, you know, the, the audience full of 13-year-old white girls, these three white guys jumping around, holding their dicks, throwing beer around, girls in the cages, 20-foot penises, 6-foot beer cans, you know, all this stuff. And mom was fine with it because they're three nice little Jewish boys. Hello and welcome to Here in L.A., Venice edition. Today, we talk with Sonny Bach, a world-famous photographer. How world-famous? Well, if you own the Beastie Boys' first album, License to Ill, open up the gatefold, and that's Sonny's picture. She started as a teenage paparazzi in New York City at just 13, lying to her parents, getting on the subway in the middle of the night, and hanging out on Broadway, going to hundreds of musical performances a year. And she would take paparazzi pictures of people like Elizabeth Taylor and all the famous people. And some of them got published in magazines like People Magazine. As she grew up, she started her own studio and photographed the likes of Madonna and the Village People. She used a couple of local dudes as stand-ins to check for light those turned out to be the three bad brothers you know so well. Today, she's still taking photos, and she's overseeing the Venice art crawl that happens several times a year. She's also got the most adorable dog in the whole wide world, who I nearly put in my pocket. So welcome, please, Sunny B to the A to the K. My dad um, was Korean, and my mom was Chinese-Indonesian. So she's from Indonesia, and I'm first-generation American. Well, I'm a New Yorker. I'm We're, from Manhattan. It, it, I don't want to jump too quickly to Venice, but I would feel like somebody that grew up obviously loving theater like you did would never want to leave Broadway. Um, I didn't. I, I just, just sort of eventually morphed it from... Uh, being a paparazzi to being a fashion photographer because my mother was in fashion oh, so yes. that was the influence I think and so in my last year of high school I opened a studio or I, I got a studio space and um, that's when I started shooting fashion but since I didn't know any models I used all the Broadway actors and dancers as my models so they, I would have shots of them jumping in the air. You know, it was not your typical model shots and everything. So I, I was shooting Sandal Bergman, you know, doing fashion. And I did actors' headshots. And I just shot paparazzi things. Every celebrity that came through that night, you know, whatever night on Broadway, I would follow the paparazzi and we'd all be shooting. And one night we were following Liz Taylor and uh, going out to like two o'clock three o'clock in the morning you know I think I was like 16 or 17 my mother knew that I was where I was um and at that time she said what are you you know aren't you awfully young to be out this late and I was like well I'd come in earlier if you'd go to bed earlier <laughs> wise ass that I was and so the next night instead of two she came home at 12 so Thanks, Liz. <laughs> Did, oh, Liz was saying that to you. Yeah. 
Yeah. She's like, aren't you kind of young? Were you the only paparazzi following her around? I, I was not the only paparazzi. I was there with Ron Galella, who shot Jackie O, and he would give me rides in his car, like as we followed Jackie O from place to place. He was that nice to you? Yeah, he was. Yeah, I don't know why. He didn't consider you competition? Probably not, because I probably wasn't selling as much as he was. But you were selling to but like was, people and stuff, right? Yeah, I shot... I shot for Pete. I I did pictures like a Billie Jean King over at the U.S. Open and stuff, and People magazine printed that. I shot Madonna over the years, but yeah, I wasn't. I, I don't. Ron think they knew he was. On he top, was fine, you right? Know, he's so much older than me, and Robin Platzer and Oscar, all these guys that have you know that are stringers that have been around for years when I met them, and uh, yeah, they put up with me. They you know I was there in the front lines and I was shorter so I guess I wasn't in the way (laughs) where did okay you see that I have this camera over here I don't know what I'm doing and I have the internet now there's books I could go to a library instead I just take terrible pictures over and over and over and I know that they're bad as soon as I shoot them you had to wait until you developed the film made the picture in the dark you were using your own dark room right i in my parents second bathroom i built a little dark room and uh yeah i would be printing i would bulk load my tri-x film and like several rolls yeah just Mm -hmm. you know you get a hundred feet of film and you put it you roll it up where did you learn all of this yeah i don't know i guess my dad or maybe i don't i i i was in intern at the uh gosh where was it can't remember right the second but in city of school we had internships at different places and uh so one of them was a dark room and i got to learn to print there and learn to i i was already bulk loading so were you using flash i mean this is dark yep flash. you're using a flash yeah everything yeah, you had to. I had to manually focus as I was walking backwards. Right. Calculate the flash exposure, so I had to know, you know. What, and so I got good at, you know, exposing film under the proper circumstances. You know, just learning. It was a lot of trial and error. Were you afraid? Because I'm afraid when I take pictures in the street, and obviously I wouldn't be doing this podcast if I didn't love people. I totally love people, as you, I'm sure you do too. Yeah, totally. Venice is like, this is a dream come true as far as people watching, let alone photography for people, right? I mean, maybe nothing compares to New York, but I still get freaked out that people are going to be mad at me taking pictures of them. How did you get over that? Yeah, you know, uh, who was it? I think it was Catherine Hepburn or somebody. It was, we were on Broadway and she's like, was it Catherine Hepburn or Joanne Woodward? Oh, see, now 50 years later, the mind. But, um, they, they, you know, she was like, please, could you stop taking pictures? And I did, you know. So I wasn't great at offending people. Like Ron had no problem, right. you know. And um, so if somebody asked us to stop, then I would. I'd probably be the, the, the only one that would. But they were used to it. I mean, they're celebrities. I, I wasn't really people shooting. I was shooting Broadway celebrities or celebrities. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of fell into that aspect of it because there were so many photographers doing it and I started doing it. Um, but 
uh, yeah, I'd rather have somebody who wants me to take their picture. So I think that's why I morphed into, um, into fashion and stuff. And, you know, models always need pictures. So I'd rather be on the wanted side <laughs> of life. Did you ever run into Bill Cunningham? Sure. Bill was there all the time. His, that documentary of his is so inspiring. Isn't it wonderful? Because, I mean, there's so many levels to it. The fact that he lived so modestly. Yeah. And, but, but also that, that lack of fear. I just really admire. Yeah. You know, he's just out there on the streets. And some people are like, well, if she didn't want people to look at her, she wouldn't be wearing that. Which I don't know is is that is that the right attitude to have? Well, in fashion, I think so. You know, they people have their own personal look, and it might be outrageous in one way or another. But yeah, I think they want you to look. You're making a fashion statement. You're not wearing something because you don't want people to look at you, <laughs> or you just wear jeans and a t-shirt or something. You know. But no, I I think fashion is awesome, and it, and it. Yeah, the bigger the better, you know, as we're seeing today. It can't go any further, you would think, but who knows. And I love fashion. I love fashion for that whole reason, that it's just, you know, amazing and exciting. And who's going to do what to take it to the next level? So I still love fashion, even though L.A. is not the fashion capital of the world at all. Um, But there are plenty of celebrities. And so now in the 90s, when I moved here... You know, at one time in the 80s, I had a studio in London, in New York, and in L.A. all at the same time. That was short-lived. But <laughs> but I had New York, L.A. for a good five years. And that, you know, it, L.A. was always celebrity, celebrity, celebrity. I, I, I agree with you about high fashion. Yeah. That L.A. is definitely not. The, I mean, they've tried to have fashion weeks here. Mm. It's nothing, right? Yeah, not impressive. But I feel like, and please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and by the way, I'm wearing, I think, Sears shorts <laughs> and a Beastie Boys shirt. <laughs> but I feel like L.A. pushes casual fashion. Yeah. The, the, what what Joe Sixpack is going to wear in a couple years and his wife, yeah. we're seeing today in L.A. Yeah, yeah. More so than maybe even in New York, wouldn't you agree? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Why? How is that even possible? I, I'm, I'm not in the garmento and right. the fashion. So, I mean, it's warm. There's no winter. So there's that. It's, it's easier. That, it's one thing, right? It's either a bathing suit or a parka to go skiing. You know, at big in Big Bear or something, but that's yeah, it's casual, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not in that world because I live in Venice, and so <laughs> Venice is definitely not the fashion capital of even LA, but it is more like New York than other parts of LA, and I think that's why I love it so much. It's because you can't tell who's homeless or who's a billionaire. You know, they both dress the same. So you're, I was with, I don't know if you're familiar with this uh, YouTuber named German in Venice. No. He is fantastic. He's lived here for 30 years. He kind of sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger with his with the, his accent. And I was trying to get him on this podcast, but he's actually very shy. And this guy who I thought was a homeless guy, because German has been focusing on homeless for the last 
six months or so. Comes up to him and starts chatting with him up. And I was kind of a little offended because he just busted right into our conversation. And then he walks off and I was like, so you've met a lot of homeless guys. He's like, that guy ain't homeless. <laughs> that guy owns this and that and that building and that building. And again, I dress like a bum. This guy, you would never know. No, totally. And they say, look at his shoes, look at his haircut. This guy looked like he was just sleeping in a tent. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Which I love about L.A. That's great. Yeah. Because we should treat everybody the same, right? Yeah, totally. And, you know, it's... But I think New York has a lot of that, too. You know? Yeah, there are all the Wall Street guys, and they all dress up, and it's all about their, you know, designer shoes and their $200 haircut. But, you know, th that's their game. They may have holes in their socks, you know? <laughs> And, uh, you know, live in Queens and stuff like that. That's the Wall Street game. The fashion industry, too. You know, a guy could be wearing a caftan and have long hair and look like he's just slept in the cardboard box in Times Square. But he owns, you know, some big old design firm or he's, you know, some model or something. You never, you never know. What attracted you to Venice when you moved to California? Just that. The people. The the. The idea that you're, there are people of all walks of life, of all, you know, and it, it was the most like New York. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was a natural, it's where I feel comfortable even now. You know, yeah, people get stabbed or whatever, but it's like New York, <laughs> you know. Um, I assume that maybe Hollywood was also on your, your list of possibles. No, you know, where else I lived when I first came here was downtown L.A., so, what, what what year was that? Uh, eighty six to ninety one. I was Why? I had my studio down there because they have huge lofts. True. They were super cheap, high ceilings, great views, great light. And was this the arts district was, you were at? Uh, yeah, like Sixth and Main. Yeah. So just around. But but at that <laughs> time. There were a lot of homeless down there you, then. It, it, it's some. It, I mean, and they it was like a war zone. Over there. It was nothing next to now. Right. But at that time, they were like, oh, downtown, it's, you know, the art district, it's going to really boom and it's going to be great and all this stuff. And yeah, the arts district kind of tried to get going there. It, it is booming now, kind of, to the point that artists can't afford to live. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's nutty. It's nutty. So well, Because when you were there originally, didn't they have like um, incentives for artists and and like rent breaks if uh, if you were kind of struggling? I don't remember that. I just knew that you know I shared the studio if I had to, but it wasn't. Yeah, I just shared my studio, yeah. so I wasn't into that whole that era in the '90s. I think then they had more art, you know, initiatives mm -hmm. down a little bit more on the east side of downtown LA. Because you need that to build a, a new community, right? Yeah, you know, it's funny that you talk about this because we're talking about Venice and creating it as an arts district. But um, one of the arguments that people, locals have that are in the arts is that calling it an arts district is only a signal to developers to come and overdevelop the area and quickly it's already off the hook here in venice as you know mm -hmm. and um but you know it's just 
it's kind of bad for the artists in a way. Developers it, need an excuse to overdevelop? They don't, but they look for signals, <laughs> you know? And so then they're going to think, okay, we're going to build a skyscraper with, you know, and it'll be an arts thing. And you put arts on the bottom or something and then sell million, several million dollar apartments all up and down and add in a subway line. And that, I think that that's what Venice is scared about. You are know? you scared? Are you afraid of that? Um, well, I'm very cautious because I am a local and I've been here and I've seen what happened in downtown L.A. And I don't like what happened in downtown L.A. So, you know, artists are flocking to further east, Palm Springs. Brooklyn is cheaper now. You know? <laughs> Things like that. Like, that's what's happening, you know. Yeah. And so it's unaffordable to artists. So I'm looking... Um, I've been working on, in the last couple of years with a lot of arts organizations in Venice, and we are forming, uh, we have formed, but it's on hold because of COVID, but it's an arts coalition. And we're very careful not to call it an arts district, which is what we originally called it. But visiting downtown LA has made me rethink that. And, you know. I, th I think downtown is such an interesting area because when you were originally there it was desolate my mom came to visit and she stayed at checkers and i would i dropped her off um right before dinner time and i went home to hollywood and then i came back after dinner time this was like 1990 91 nobody on the streets yeah like it was crazy empty yeah. obviously now it's thanks to obama and fixing the recession. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it has boomed. And, and it, I feel like it boomed for a couple of reasons. I feel like it boomed because of Staples and LA Live, that area. Finally, there was entertainment down. Finally, there was a reason to go downtown. Right. Um, also, the land was cheap for these developers if they did want to make crazy places. Um, but also, I feel like there are a lot of people who want that New York vibe, even if it's only for a few square, few blocks. And they want that city. I mean, I don't. I want to be by the beach just like you do. Yeah. But there are some people, especially Californians, who grew up around the beach. That's no big deal to them. But they want that urban life. And I agree with you about the arts district of downtown, that it turned into something that we never wanted it to, especially this quickly. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like that can only happen there. Am I being naive that that downtown is kind of the exception to all this that no way could it ever happen to venice could it ever happen to culver city you know i i like could mar vista blow up could mar vista be the next area to blow up because it's venice adjacent you know or um torrance or I can't go up to Pacific. I, I, I feel like maybe Culver City could put a lid on it because they're a city. Yeah. I feel like LA is just way too vast for poor Mike Bonin to be able to, you know, halt all this. Because yeah. we're seeing what's happening in Hollywood now where they want to build these ginormous buildings, yeah. which kind of look cool. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't mind a few of these Transformers buildings around, but I don't live behind one. Right. <laughs> right. It's not blocking your view.
let's talk about the Venice Art Walk, though. The Venice Art Crawl. Art Crawl. Yeah, the Venice Art Walk is a wonderful, um, it's been around for event. It's an annual event, the Venice Art Walk. And it's a fundraiser for the amazing Venice Family Clinic. Oh. And it's produced by Google now. Really? Yeah, it's co-produced by Google, I think. So they're not bad neighbors. Go- <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not bad neighbors. <laughs> they're Google. No, but, but honestly, I've heard good things about Google. Like, for example, they allow those those uh, motorhomes to stay out in front. Yeah, Google and YouTube studios are here, and they're yeah. impressive and stuff. Whereas some other companies, I am hearing bad things about them. Yeah, well, yeah, I wish Google were more supportive of their local Venice Art Crawl, which is a um, uh, an event that happens four times a year with mixers on all the months that we're not doing the actual crawl. And what the crawl is, is are pop-up events all over Venice. So anybody is welcome to show their art on those days. And we give them a flag. We, you get a flag and, and a map. And so that way you can just, it's much like the art walk, except for it's more expansive. So, and it's more inclusive. Um, but, you know, we've had people from you know, Ed Moses all the way down to a homeless person, you know, show everything in between. So it's all inclusive. And they don't have to be in a specific part of Venice. They have to be in 90291. Okay. So, so anywhere within that zip code. Yeah. You can. They show. register with you. They register at venicearcrawl.com. You give them a little flag. Yep. They buy a little flag and they put it out and they just list their event on the website and they automatically get in and they automatically get to show their art and invite their friends their family their neighbors their community the city and it's a good time held by all and the whole idea is to sell art so i always say buy art collect art you know and do you try to go to all the places with the little flags i really try to um i don't get to hang out as much but i try to go there the day of or the day before or during it and it's really impossible, though, on the night of to hit all of them. Sometimes the the last crawl we've had, we had maybe 12 or 14 events, but we've had up to 46 or 44 events in one night simultaneously. And so it's impossible to see everything. Is that a huge success to you? Oh, absolutely. The more participation, the better. I am not an art person, but I've lived with art people. Yeah. And especially when we were right out of college and uh, my buddy went to Otis when it was closer to downtown than it is now. And I just remember a lot of wine and a lot of cheese. <laughs> yeah. Is that still the case today? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think that people still like to entertain and I- I've gotten some great snacks at the last <laughs> art event. The brownie bites were great and we had all kinds of stuff. So yeah, it's, I think people still entertain, but um, I think... You say you're not an artist, but I think that everyone's an artist. And we've had, you know, a big canvas here in my tiny little studio and invite people to just participate and draw on it. And so everybody added to their art thing and anybody can paint some ceramics or do whatever. So, you know, it's. I I mean, I would I would love to fool myself into pretending that I'm an artist, but I mean, that's art right there. Yeah, that's real. Todd Goodman. Todd Goodman did um, that's beautiful. this painting I have of uh, 
a bulldog carrying a skateboard under the Venice sign. And I've, I've been a supporter of Todd's work since he was selling on the boardwalk. And now he's being collected by, you know, guys in the Chili Peppers. And I'm glad to own this piece. That's one of his more popular pieces. And he's still developing as an artist. And he's, you know, he has a day job. But he also makes money and on his art. And it's great. That's why I love the boardwalk. You really could just, I mean, you're not even hanging, uh, you're not hanging a shingle. Yeah. You're just setting up a stool and it's, it's capitalism. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, why aren't there more spots like that where you can just, plus there's just tourists for days. Yeah. I mean, I. People come from around the world to see the famous boardwalk. Yeah. I mean, we had a rough year last year with all the homeless encampments and stuff, but that's all cleared out. And they're open and ready for business. And it's so nice. I mean, it's just so wonderful. So I hope to bring the Venice Art Crawl back to the Venice Boardwalk for all of 2022. So When's the next one? Our next Art Crawl is the third Thursday of March, uh, 2022. So it's, I got to wait that long? You got to wait that long for the actual Art Crawl. But we participate in other events like the Venice Sign Lighting when for the holidays, the first Saturday of the month, we're I didn't know there was a, a, a celebration for that. Oh yeah, it's a really cool local. Were, were event. they changed those lights yeah, to the, what green to, and red? To yeah, to holiday colors, and then a celebrity flips the switch, and it's always a secret who the celebrity oh. is. But we had Robert Downey Jr. do the first hey, one. Hey, not bad. And Angelica Houston, what? a local, and Pink, <laughs> and. <laughs> Like the guys from the doors. And so we've had real stars, real stars, a lot of Venice stars. And um, yeah, it's kind of a neighborhood thing, but it's a Chamber of Commerce owned uh, sign. And so, you know, the, the local businesses participate and there's a lot of hot chocolate and candy. And, you know, we had a, a, a Ferris wheel one year. So it's getting bigger and bigger. I think it might be smaller for this year, but still, uh, we for the Venice Art Crawl, we have a holiday kids poster contest. So Aww. the four elementary schools down here, all the kids are invited to submit their artwork free. And then we get different judges from the Art Crawl board or Venice local businesses or, you know, to come and judge the artwork and it's so much fun because the kids are so cute. They're from kindergarten to fifth grade, and the artwork is so amazing. Have you judged before? I have judged. It is it clear fun. that some parents cheat for their children? Yeah, well, we've discussed that. <laughs> um, we're like, could the kid be this good, really? But um, then we see it year after year, and the kid develops, and I think we have They're some really, really developed artists. And then I found out, oh, her grandmother is an artist and her mom has an artistic bend. And, you know, so she was influenced. It was in the genes. And yeah, it was in the genes, even though she's only in first grade. Pretty amazing for a kid. Yeah. We've seen kids grow up. So a little boy won three years in a row. And I was like, oh, come on. How could he be that great? But he is. And he's getting better. So I hope he hasn't peaked in second grade. But, you know. <laughs> He's on to something else. Yeah, I don't know. I'm into the clarinet We're now. always looking forward to seeing his work. Let's talk about uh, Buddhism real quick, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, what are you pointing at? Oh, my altar. 
Uh, I, I'm a Mitra and Choshu Buddhism, a Buddhist, and I've been chanting since I was 12 years old. I chant Namyoho Renge Kyo. Probably one of the most famous people that chant is like Herbie Hancock and Tina Turner. Um, but Orlando Bloom too, I guess. But um, yeah, so I just chant Namyoho Renge Kyo for world peace and for right now to end COVID. And so that's kind of what I've been doing. And you'll chant it for how long? Um, could be five minutes, could be three hours. It just depends. And you'll turn these chairs around or you'll do yep. it on the couch? Yep, I just sit in front of my altar and open. My altar has my, the gohonzon in the middle, which is a scroll that Namiho Renge Kyo is written down the middle and all the, th- the hundreds of 3,000 different points that your life could be in at any moment from hell to heaven and, you know, like any moment of life. And um, it's kind of like a mirror into your life. And so you chant to polish your life essentially okay so um all around here i see beastie boys things and um i'm a giant beastie boys fan i went to every tour that they were they had including the one that you took the great picture of was that MCA hanging from the Palladium sign? Yeah, yeah. And so when I, I I'd always known of that image, but when I saw that you made it, I was like, I don't care how long it takes for me to interview this woman. That picture is near and dear to my heart Aww. because not. I mean, yes, I was there, which was incredible, great show, memorable show, but great picture yeah that was a fun night that that venue has been there since the 40s yeah is it still open yeah are they but they haven't started shows yet yes have they? they have they have wow. yes they have and and what i mean again i'm 54 years old and sometimes i see bands on that marquee that i'm like who the hell is that and then the next day when the show is actually happening you see this line wow this beautiful line of kids because it brings me back to shows like that Beastie Boys show. And I'm like, I really hope that it sticks with them the same way that a lot of the shows stuck with me. And so, obviously, you were friends with the Beastie Boys, which which is how you were able to take that photo. Yeah. When did you first meet them? Um, gosh, in the early 80s. Um, my uh, intern from City of School... Uh, which was a local Venice high school, was Dave Skilkin. And Dave was in The Young and the Useless with the guys. And so the Beasties were just starting and they were just playing local stuff and they all hung out together, right? So I didn't just get Dave as an intern. I got Adam, Adam, Mike, and Say with them always dropping in because I, I, now it hits me. It didn't hit me at that time. But I was a fashion photographer. So... They just happened to be in the neighborhood, happened to hang out. And I would see them every night at the clubs and stuff like that, at Palladium or the Tunnel or Danceteria or wherever. And so, yeah, they were just always hanging out. I'm sure they were hanging out with me because of the models. They, they, were, they were interested in the girls that you were photographing? I'm sure of it now. 
But at the time, he would, they were just the guys, you know. But what's interesting is, and I, I've only gotten to interview them once, and it was it was a very awkward situation. It was a round table of, of many other smaller journalists. I was the editor of LAS at the time, which yeah, should but... have been considered small. <laughs> we ended up being big. Yay. But, but I was like, this is the worst way to interview these guys. Mm-hmm. Plus, they're such wisecrackers. And... And, and everybody's asking really good questions. And I'm like, how am I going to stand out? And the way I did it was they love fashion. And I knew that they love fashion. So I criticized their fashion. <laughs> and they just perked right up. <laughs> they were like, hmm? <laughs> were they into fashion also? Or were they just know. chasing the girls? I have no idea. I, I have no idea. We weren't. We never talked about it. We, you know, they all they created fashion just by accident. I think. I don't. Nobody was really thinking about. Oh, is this fashionable? I don't. I never remembered any of those, you know, comments. Well, the the picture that's behind you. Yeah. What street? What street is that's, this? Uh, around the corner from my studio. So I call that image "Boys on 18th" because Eight- they're on 18th and Broadway. That's 18th and Broadway. Was. Is that? Mid city, that's a fa- that's kind of the photography district. It's near Union Square, around the corner from my studio was Andy Warhol's factory. What? So yeah, so I used to see Andy going to you know Woo! every day going to work every day and passing. And, and but hold on, that's New York, you know. That was, every, but, okay. that was where Paragon was. But you're into fashion, you're into photography, you're into art. That's like seeing Mick Jagger walk down the street. Yeah, only Mick didn't have a studio around the corner. But, like, were you... I mean, obviously, you're not starstruck. I was a kid paparazzi, so I, so I saw Andy, like, every night. Every night he was out. It was you just know? another, like, yeah, whoop de doo Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Like, you know, the Beasties. Now, Keith Haring, Jean-Michel Basquiat, Madonna. All of them. All those people became super famous, but at the time, you know... I went to school with Jean-Michel, and he's the guy that threw the pie into the principal's face. He's the guy that got at graduation, and he's the guy that, you know, got in trouble for painting on the walls in Brooklyn and, you know, at City of School, I think. And so... Could you see his talent in school? No. <laughs> you know? I love that. <laughs> I love really. that. I mean, did I see the talent of the guys when I knew them? No. They were pretty horrible. Well, but they were playing punk rock, though. Yeah, so I mean that wasn't my I mean even they would tell you that music, they weren't right? the, the best punk rock band. No, but the one person that I did think was talented was Madonna when I saw her at Studio 54 that night. Like she performed and I was like, "Wow, she's great. Who is this girl?" And the next day, I shot her in my studio because I promised my friend Preston that I would shoot this girl that's going to play at his club Bay City, you know, Bay City. Oh, I can't remember Bay something down in Long Island, his club, and and I was shooting her halfway through the shoot, and I was like, wait a minute, aren't you the chick that was playing last night at Studio 54? She goes, yeah, Madonna. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. We were talking about fashion. I don't see a lot of fashion in this photo. I mean, he's wearing a, a gym shirt, um, Ad-Rock, um, and, and really... The VW around which, Mike's neck. But, but I feel like this, that's a Run DMC thing that they're kind of parodying a little bit. Um, later in life, they would, with their music videos and stuff, um, use 70s themes and, right. 
and really bring back a lot of fun things from the 70s. Um, <laughs> that wasn't, I don't even feel that was intentional from what I read. I think just raided somebody's closet. I heard that too. So, like the old ladies, uh, yeah, not the old ladies, but the, 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 lady, the family that they were renting the mansion from. Yeah, had she was the fashion collector. Right. She had the styling chops and they had the wherewithal to break the lock to the door and get in that closet and then throw it all on so it was more but they are fashion guys i mean you know they're they're so influential i don't i don't even know where they got all their influence but you know just their craziness like to wear the orange jumpsuits and to be running around you know that was just that's all them it's that's not an art director adam. somewhere no it's really adam you know adam and adam right and mike too yeah. you know they all got on board and they're you know yo man cookie puss there who cookie puss i want to speak to cookie puss man no so, okay, so you knew them before the first Beastie Boys record? Yeah, they were doing, they did, uh, they had a couple of singles. They had Cookie Puss out, right? Yep. And um, Hold It Now. And yep. uh, She's on it. She's on, well, yeah, that kind of, that's part of the new thing, right? She's on it. Was was she's on it on no. License Tale? It, it was a video. It was but... a short, yeah, I remember that day. Was, but, was that this beach or was that New Jones York? Jones Beach in New York. It was in New York, yeah. Um, so you were at the shoot? I didn't go to the shoot. I was too busy. I, I don't, you know, I don't, I didn't hang around their work life so much, except for when they were doing um, License to Ill, then I'd go downtown to Chungking and hang out. I took a few pictures. I was the only photographer there, so I have those that were used in the Apple TV movie with spike jones great movie right so yeah so some of the pictures in that i've never published before oh they were used a couple on the stage show but prior to that they had never been seen um but yeah i was the only person other you know person in the studio did they say, invite you to to be one they, of the photographers we were we were just hanging out really and just taking pictures they never really invited me to take a lot of my pictures look like they're set up, but really a lot of the studio stuff is that they were standing in for my future photo shoot that day. And they happened to come by and I'm like, stand in that light. Can you just do this? And then I just click off some pictures. So I wasn't paid for it and I didn't pay them. They just <laughs> were the guy, that's who was around. And so they would stand in the light so that I could, you know, put the model there later. And so that's how Thank a lot God of... for testosterone <laughs> and horny boys. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean... Because they're just waiting for the girls to show up. But actually, you know, all those pictures, they just sat in a box for 25 years. So, you know... You never thought to... Take them out and use them? Not really, because I was very busy, right? I was shooting fashion. Or sh I was out here shooting celebrities. So they weren't on... I wasn't following their career, per se. Like, when they played in L.A., then I, I'd get in touch or they would get in touch and then I'd go see the show like at the Wiltern or in Santa Barbara or, you know, something down in the OC. I'd just jump in the car and it would just be happenstance that 
you know, say, or somebody or Adam would call me and say, hey, we're doing the show. And then I'd hang out with them and go. And once I bumped into them when they were in Sundance, at Sundance, and they had a movie, um, I fucking shot that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and I was, I was there for something totally different for the Queer Lounge, and I saw this thing, and I was out in the street, and I texted Say or called him, and I was like, hey, I see that, you know, you're in town. And he goes, where are you? Going? Well, I'm outside the theater, right, in the back, and the movie was just about to go on. And Say goes, oh, my God. And he goes, running out. And he had a seat next to him empty. The place was totally packed. And I just ran in, you know, at the last moment. And the crowd went wild for this movie. And after the movie, and I hadn't seen the boys in a few years. And after the movie, the boys were walking by and they're like, hey, Sonny, like I just saw them on Tuesday. <laughs> and that's the way that it is. It's like when you see your friend and, you know, you're busy, you're working, but they're right there. Hey, how you doing, and Tony? We're going to see each other. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Or whatever. Jump in the car. Here we go. Yeah. And everything. And so then, you know, hung out with them again. So that's the way I still am. I saw Mike here down the street, you know, and that was just before the book. And he was just in, we were in the same coffee line. And I just <laughs> thought of him the day before and was in Hollywood seeing them and couldn't get near him because he was with celebrities and the bodyguards wouldn't let me go near him. Right. But the next day. He's in line here in Venice, and I'm like, hey, Mike. And he's like, oh, wow. NFTs for artists seem like a whole new gold rush. Isn't it interesting? Am I I naive? Am I... Am I falling for it's it? It's the future, isn't it? I don't know. That's what I'm asking you. Well, yes, I think it is. And why? Because because artists are making it so. You know, whether p- people buy them or not, artists are buying each other's work. It's the setting of the trend. And as we spoke about, artists are the trendsetters. And I haven't been this interested and this excited about something new since the 80s, right? Since the beginning of the guys and Herring and just, you you knew something was going on with Palladium and Studio and stuff like that because if you weren't there, you feel like you missed something. (laughs) And I feel that way with NFTs in Clubhouse or, you know, Bright Moments Galleries or galleries that are opening up in New York or the shows. And so actually for the 10th anniversary of Adam's death in New York, I'd like to do a show in Brooklyn Mm. to commemorate that and uh, release some NFTs. So I'm developing an NFT collection that's not just the Beastie Boys, but different things and all kinds of different um, mediums, kind of, but all NFTs. And um, I'm going to be giving away that limited edition skateboard of the guys so there there's only a certain amount but you get the nft with the skateboard or the skateboard with the nft depending on what you're buying I, i've noticed on my podcast sometimes i ask questions and the person doesn't answer and i kick myself i'm like i didn't get an answer for that so the nfts we both love because it's interesting not only is it interesting because i can have the art that's one of one or a small collection 
on my phone. Um, do you, do you watch Gary V? The um, he he's he's way into NFTs, but he was like a wine guy. Like he just always seems to know. The name sounds familiar. He's he's a great guy. He was saying that NFTs for him are a flex. It's like your show off thing, and he's like, yeah, okay, fine, I can have the first blah 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 of this artist. He goes, that's all fine, and that's that that's one form of flex. He says though that our concert tickets should be NFTs really soon. Yeah. Because those are unique and yeah. those are very personal to us. So that Palladium show was huge for me. Yeah. And I would love to have that as my... Well, don't you have your ticket stub? Well, yes. No, I don't. You don't, but I, I used to collect them when I was a kid. <laughs> when I had Broadway right. shows. So I have hundreds of ticket stubs. And, and so Gary like Vee is saying, wouldn't it be great if in the future... It was your NFT. You don't have a ticket stub. You have an NFT. And you have and, your collection of this concert and that concert. Yeah, sure. And then if you meet a super fan who's like, oh, I'll pay you 100 bucks for that. For that ticket stub. And you're like, sure. I didn't care much about that Jim Blossoms yeah. concert. But you do. <laughs> and so now it's paid for itself. The NFT has paid for that concert experience. Cool. And that person has a flex of whatever. I'm down for that. Two last questions for you. Thank you, by the way, for your time. This is so nice of you. Oh, um, this is about food. You're Korean. There's Koreatown right over here. Yeah. Do you go to Koreatown? No. <laughs> Do you not like Korean food? I love Korean food, but it's I, I'm such a Venetian. I'm always west of Lincoln. So fortunately for me, there is one Korean place called Waro on Washington and Lincoln. And I do go there, but yeah, if I'm in Koreatown, then I love it. I just, I'm not that hip on to, you know, where to go exactly. Let's talk about Waro then. Okay, well, yeah. Because first of all, that theme west of Lincoln, Yeah. I thought was fake until I... A-W-O-L? I, oh, yeah. Until I, until I did this. And so Luigi from Suicidal Tendencies has a base, a fretless base from... Um, Avery of the original Beastie Boys um, drum tech. Oh. Like, the, it, it's so bizarre Random. how these circles of Venetians are cool. all one. And so when I asked him about AWOL, he's like, oh, you mean the, the first drummer of Suicidal, who was also the drum tech of the Beastie Boys, who was also... And I was like, this is crazy, man. You're blowing my mind. Um, but th But also that theme of... You don't need to go west of, or you don't need to go east of Lincoln. <laughs> yeah. Is an overriding theme from all the people I've talked with. Really? Yes. All the people in Venice? Yes. Oh. You don't want to go. I know. Venice is kind of like that, isn't it? It's it's like a bubble, but it's it's not like a limiting bubble. Yeah. You just love it here. Yeah. Yeah. You feel the same way? Totally. Totally. I mean, there's such great food in this area. There's so many great restaurants and stuff and great chefs and um, and new ones opening every day. Um, so I don't feel a lack of anything. And I don't know. I'm very, I feel very lucky to have, you know, wound up in Venice. This Italian woman I talked with uh, a few months ago who lives very close to you, I asked her... Italian? She's like, oh yeah, right over here, right by uh, Hamasushi. Oh, she likes that place? She loves it. Yeah, people have said that. 
And like she's eaten like real Italian food. She's from she's also from New York. Really? I haven't I, I've met the owner a few times. But I, I'm so attached to Locanda Positana. You know that? Another place? no. Yeah, it's on it's tiny hole in the wall. I'll tell her about but that. Amazing, yeah. Good Italian food. Oh great Italian food. Where else should should we eat when we're west of Lincoln? There's a lot of new places. But I just, my find of the week is this place that just opened last week. Oh? Yeah, Brabu, I think it's called. It's on Oceanfront Walk and and Washington. Right on the beach. Just opened. And I've only been there twice, but both times has been amazing. What kind of food? Um, Ecuadorian, French, Italian. The 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 chef is the owner chef is from Ecuador and his wife is from Brooklyn. So are you just awesome. that type of person? It that just you, happened. You'll just walk into to any old door. Well, it just opened and I was like, wow, you guys are here. What do you have? Okay, let's have a charcuterie board. Oh yeah, this is great. So we went back, you know, later in the week and it was great. So I don't know. That, that location makes me feel like it's really expensive. Yeah, it's not cheap. Okay. It's cheap, but make somebody else pay. I'm trying to make them have a happy hour or something like that. They oh, they sold a pizza, so they do these great pizzas. And I'm a New Yorker, so I'm picky, but it was really good. Um, but he's he's famous in New York for selling a twenty seven hundred dollar pizza. So here he has a three thousand dollar pizza that's on the menu. With gold flakes, truffle, yetta, you know, silver something. I don't know. I, I don't, I, I looked at the ingredients and I'm like, I don't know if I want to eat a lot of gold, but it's $3,000. So if anybody wants to split a pie, let me know. Talk about a guy who could sell an M- NFT. Yeah, exactly. Because I don't want to buy a, a $3,000 pizza, but. but- <laughs> <laughs> An NFT of that pizza might be a different thing I can keep in my wallet. Yeah. Crazy, right? You've had such a great career, and this apartment is just beautiful and fantastic. What advice do you have for young sunnies out there who um, probably also have an artistic streak, who want to live your life? Oh, well. What do you What do you wish somebody had told you when you were on that subway heading to Broadway? I don't know. I would say probably chant, but you wish you had gotten into Buddhism earlier. Um, I got into it at twelve, but I think that so much of it came to me because I was in the right place at the right time, and I do somehow credit that to my chanting. But you know, ne- my dad always said, "Never give up." That was his overarching theme in his life. So I agree with that. But um, if somebody wanted to get into photography as a life career, I'd say, don't do it, (laughs) you know, because it's really hard. Because the digital world has made it more competitive. Photographer, yeah, it's not the same thing. But um, yeah, always express yourself and don't, you know, 
everyone's an artist and just follow your heart. I think that's what I have always done is if I wanted to do it, you know, I think it and do it and not give up. So don't let anybody tell you that you can't. You just don't give up. Sonny, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. How great was Sonny? You know who else is a New York transplant who makes L.A. better? Our Patreon. Who are, hey, I'm walking over here. When you stoke us, you're saying, Tony, Jordan, here's an NFT. Here's the cost of transcribing an interview for the website. Here's a new pillow for your lovely wife. Every buck you hand over helps us keep this insane project rolling. So shout out to our Patreons, Nancy Rommelman, Allie Miller, Sean Atlow, Matt Mills, Sean Wallace, Greg and Molly, Jamie Taylor, George Wright, Mark Johnson, Kira Ann, Barney Granke, and Ben Welch. Want to hear your name at the end of next week's show? Go to patreon.com slash here in LA and give till it hurts. Also, shout out to our Angelinos. All you got to do to be an Angelino is pay Palace 25 bucks or more and we will list you on the Here in L.A. website forever. You'll also be given a number. For example, Angelino number one is Allie. Number two, George Wright. Number three, Rita Joanne. Number four, Jason Sutter. And number five, our newest Angelino, Grant Hotton. Just PayPal your hard-earned cash to busblog at gmail.com. Want to support us, but you ain't got a lot of cash? with you buddy you can still help just post your favorite episodes on your facebook tweet something nice put it on your instagram rent a plane and sky right above the beach or you can just keep telling your friends tell them how here in la is spelled and that it's on apple podcasts and spotify and google and wherever good podcasts are given out by a man in a trench coat here in L.A. is produced by myself, Tony Pierce, and L.A.'s own brass monkey, Jordan Katz. Editing, mixing, and music supervision by Jordan Katz. Songs by Orgone and Jordan Katz. We're really going to every neighborhood in L.A. There's just one more to do in Venice, and then we're going to make a little switcheroonie. We're going to Los Feliz. <laughs> if you know someone in Los Feliz that we should talk to, Cool as Sonny Bach. Tell them to write me at Tony at TonyPierce.com. Special thanks to Cindy for creating the logo. Jen Adams for inspiring me to do this in Kim and Oz's backyard. And to all the models of the world who stand still and say cheese super nice. I'm going AWOL!